be shift boss. Okay, radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. So welcome to Coffee in the Park with Matt. Cheers, mate. <laughs> it's a new new segment. Thanks for having me in Subi, mate. Uh, pleased to welcome you, mate. Beautiful day after the rain yesterday, so it's nice to get out and see some sunshine. It is. It is. Great, great times. Very exciting times for the uh, LRL stock code, mate. The Labyrinth Gold Project. Steamed Edge, you've just returned from Canada. How was it? Uh, one word, it was cold. Um, but... Expected. Expected. Um, it, yeah, it's pretty hard to find winter gear in Perth before we went over there, but didn't get laughed at by too many Canadians with what we managed to find. Um, but no, it was excellent, mate. Busy two weeks, a lot, a lot packed in. I think four and a half thousand k's of driving across the Abitibi belt. Um, and just every day, go, go, go on the projects, both at Denain and at the Labyrinth Underground. Spent a few days underground with the team there and looking at the drill rig, looking at core. Um, and yeah, exciting times for what we saw. So it's really good. What was the what you've seen versus what you're expecting after after going over there, Australian mining, all your life to go over to see what, what happens in Canada. How'd you, what was the, what come out of it for you? Yeah, look, you could pick the projects up here and put them in Canada and vice versa. They're pretty much the same. Um, ground support standards, everything you see in underground mining is, is the same. So bolt and mesh, just like you would see in any mine in WA. Um, Amazing ground conditions for something that was last mined in the 80s and any real sort of um, attack on it. Um, bolts are still in place. We pull tested bolts. They didn't move. Um, just great ground. So to be honest, it was better than we hoped it would see. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll get into everything about the Labyrinth Gold Project, Labyrinth Resources. But I thought we'd, uh, we'd delve into yourself today. Sure. We've, uh, you've been heavily spoken about in prior interviews. Um, we could talk about gold and resources all day but i'd like to get into yourself the the story where you got to today the experiences you've had and why you uh tackled the labyrinth uh the chief geologist position at labyrinth resources so where did it all start mate so i'm originally from new zealand a little small town just north of christchurch in the south island there um it's a town of 400 people so smaller than most mine sites i've worked on I uh, went to uni at the University of Canterbury to be an engineer. Um, oh, right, mining engineer. Uh, well, or a engineer. A, an engineer of some variety. Um, tackled first year and uh, didn't make it into second year. Uh, so jumped ship and became a geologist. Um, first day in the geology class, looked around and half of us in there were also previously engineers. <laughs> <laughs> Default move, yeah. Yeah, and most of us are now in the WA mining sector. Um, but graduated from there, end of 06, and... It was a pretty lucky time to come out of university and straight into a job in mining. Uh, it took me about five minutes to get a job in Western Australia from New Zealand, and that was actually at Jundee with Newmont at the time. So, there you go. Um, kicked off at, at, at uh, Jundee as an underground mine geo. Um, as green as the grass we're standing on today, mate, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, it was uh, an in the deep end type story. So, um, New Zealand doesn't do much mining, does good geology, doesn't do much mining, so I had to learn it all from, the, from, from day one. Uh, but no, I did 12 months underground, chasing the jumbos, what you're on now, uh, and then into exploration for 12 months at Jundee, and then made a big shift over to Victoria and did some time in Ballarat. Uh, yeah, that wasn't probably as successful as Jundee. Uh, those that have read about Ballarat, it's a very challenging mine, um, but did 18 months there before it was sold, uh, and then uh, moved back to the west to do some time with Barrett at Granny Smith. Now, that's the other end of the spectrum to a 
to a Ballarat. Very successful operation, um, just rinse and repeat every year. Um, and was there during the transaction to Goldfield, so saw the transition from a big American miner to a big South African miner, and there's some differences there to work through. Um, but learned a lot from the South African way of doing things. Uh, and yeah, then got the phone call from, from Northern Star Boys up at Jundee and said, do you want to come back for your second tour of duty? Um, and yeah, took the, took the deal and didn't look back. Um, so I went to, back to Jundee 2017. Uh, so three years after Northern Star purchased that asset and came on board and they were doing some pretty exciting stuff. Um, put in geology first, which was the big one. And um, yes, yeah, st stuck it out there for four and a half years, made my way through to geology manager before Matt Nixon gave me the tap on the shoulder and said, do you want to come and start again with, with the Labyrinth and have a go at Chief Geo and have coffees in the park? Here we are, have coffees on the park, get on camera. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to do that? Exactly. Now, what did Jundee's been pretty, I guess, well known for what Northern Star did with the asset and God's still going, they're still mining high up. There's, there's, there's long and the short, there's bloody gold everywhere there. Um, there is. Picked it up for a bargain. Yep. You worked with Newmont. You worked with Northern Star. What's the differences in the way they operate a gold mine? Why wouldn't Newmont say, oh, we'll, we'll sell this asset. There's not much benefit to us now. Why have Northern Star been so successful with that from your perspective? Yeah, sure. So Newmont were pretty fortunate when they had that asset. They were in the guts of the west side ore body, and that's a phenomenal world-class ore body. You could pick that up, put it anywhere in the world, and it would make a lot of money. Yeah. So Newmont were, were taking a lot of cream out of that mine when they were mining that. Uh, and and what was left over, still extremely profitable, but not to the same scale. Um, to put it in context, Newmont had a high-grade stockpile on the ROM that they had to drip feed into the mill. Whereas, you know, anyone else gets a high-grade stockpile and it's the first thing in there. Uh, and it just didn't meet their portfolio anymore. So they have some very large open pit mines around the world. Jundee, as you know, is a complex underground ore body to try and work with. Um, and it didn't meet what they wanted to do. So they chose to sell it to a company like Northern Star that wanted to look at these old assets that hadn't had the, the time and effort put into them to try and really focus in on them through the drill bit predominantly and um, took that avenue to sell it to Northern Star to their benefit. Mm. Yeah, did. and so when you rocked up back in 2017, yep. um, I guess what what were you brought in for? What was your, as the, as the head GO on site, what, what was your... Or I guess goal yeah. to extract more of what was there or find find new opportunities. So I think I came in as senior mine geo, so um, taking charge of half the underground team there. Um, and it was a succession plan type thing from the start. Um, there was some movement going on with people within the company. So they wanted to bring someone in to, to help fill that void. Uh, and just to get some fundamentals of underground mining back into the, into the team. Um, it was a very successful mine at the time and I was grateful to take the opportunity. A great team that I came and worked with um, in 2017 when I got there and yeah, able to progress through that through that system to be geology manager. Yeah. Yeah. Now and what was the I guess the strategy? Yeah, you said it didn't quite meet Newmont's portfolio, you've come in, all about the drill bit, yep. the mining, everything. What was the strategy? Really honing in on, you know, Lowell Cross getting the trimmings and yeah, so it's a bit of a, a two-edged or double-edged sword. Um, drilling costs money, um, and you've got to have faith in your geos to execute. So um, that was the big thing that Northern Star pushed, was geology first, um, and that is, is drilling holes. So they took the underground fleet up from four to seven to end up with 15 underground rigs there, 
Um, that's probably about as many as you'd want to have in any underground mine. Um, and it was really putting the faith back in the team that they, that they brought in. Northern Star was big on if you're paid professional to be doing a job, then they trusted you to do that job um, and to execute accordingly. So managing 15 drill rigs is a big ask of, of anyone. Um, but yeah, to their, they're still doing it. I think they've got 14 underground at the moment um, and a surface rig kicking around. So uh, as long as you put the time and effort in and, and trust the geos to make the call, um, it won't always pay off. But at a deposit like Jundee, most of the time it will. So uh, yeah, it's just having faith in people. Because it, it'd be easy to start spraying them uh, exploration holes a bit. When you've got that many drill rigs to manage, that'd be a pretty big job to make sure you're drilling in, I guess, the according targets, not just spraying them everywhere and wasting 150 bucks a metre in um, diamond drilling costs. Yep, for sure, man. And that's part of the budgeting process every year. For those that have been through a budgeting process, it's months and months of effort to present on one day to the to the guys that made the decision. Um, and yeah, you've got to have some pretty pretty good ideas and pretty good designs and be able to justify why you want to spend 150 bucks a metre. And a place like Jundee does 400 kilometres of diamond drilling a year. Mm. So you average that out and you're looking at somewhere around 50 million bucks. Um, you've got to be able to justify why you want to poke holes where you do. Mm. Um, but it just comes down to that solid geological understanding, um, time and effort, basically. Yeah, I guess, so what was your, I guess each geologist, engineer, or any, any professional in mining has a, I guess a niche, a niche skill, something that they'd say if you were asked, "This is what I bring on operation. This is what I'm bloody good at." What was what was yours as the as a, as a geologist? Where was your little niche skill set? So mine was to understand if it could be a mine. So there's there's in geology there's academic geology, and that's looking at a rock and being amazed by a rock. And there's oh, there's plenty of them. <laughs> there's plenty of them that are amazed by that, and and we'll sit you down for an hour to tell you about it. Hundred percent, mate. Um, <laughs> And then there's mine geology, which is looking at a rock and telling you if you can make here some money. Yeah. Um, my, 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 I believe my skill set lies is looking at uh, either a data set or an individual rock and working out if it can make money. And if there's one, then it's probably more. And then trying to work out where that next um, stoke panel can come from. Uh, that's really what I enjoy doing is looking at data sets and working out if you can make a mine out of it and if you can make money out of it. Did you, what was on the horizon for you when you're at, sounds like you had a, a pretty good, pretty good role at Jundee. Had a big, big impact on, uh, I guess, where it is today. What, what was on the horizon for you? Did you were you considering going into the corporate world and taking that next step? You've had a, a pretty prolific rise to what you're doing now, having a pretty big influence on uh, the future of a public company. Yep. What was on the horizon for you a couple of years ago before you come over to Labyrinth? Yeah. So look, my, I guess, career objective was always to be a chief geo. So I always wanted to make it to the top. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect to do it at the age of, I think I was 36 when I took the job, 37 now. Uh, I was probably more targeting when I was 50 and you know, a few more gray hairs and, <laughs> um, and whatnot. But look, I hope to make that progression through Northern Star, but jumping on board with a junior like Labyrinth allowed me to do it a lot sooner, um, a lot different scale. Um, I have a team of myself in terms of a geology team, um, some contractors over in uh, over in Canada. Whereas, you know, in Jundee, we had a team of 80 geos and 150 diamond drillers and stuff like that. So it's a lot smaller scale, but it's getting to do it from the start and um, set it up basically the way I want to do it. So it's, it's good fun. It is. And especially when you've got a bit of skin in the game early on with um, a project like this. When, when Matty, CEO Matthew Nixon, 
uh, thoughts are with him in isolation at the moment. Yeah, uh, got the family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when he, as you said, he give you the tap on the shoulder. Uh, what were the first thoughts coming to a, I guess, a junior? Um, probably a bit of, oh, we just like, there's risk involved coming into to a junior explorer. Yep. Be the chief geo coming from a very established mine and gold mining company. What was the straight into it or was there uh, umming and ahhing? Oh, look, I'll be honest, there was some umming and ahhing for sure. Um, I've got a young family as well, so you always got to consider that stable paycheck versus the, the career opportunity. And took probably a week or so of back and forth with the missus and summing up the opportunity, like the options. Um, but yeah, ultimately made the decision to, to come on board with Labyrinth because of the opportunity. Um, I could, you know, I was having a, a great time at Jundee and a great people, great deposit, still learning. Um, but this was the opportunity to, one, be home with the family more um, each night um, and really just take something from its infancy and hopefully take it all the way through. Um, Jundee, like I say, great, very successful mine, Northern Star, great company. Um, but this is a way to accelerate the career. So what was the, when Matty give you the, the tap on the shoulder? When he, I guess, give you the spiel of the Labyrinth project, what was on offer, the potential of it? What, I guess, what were your thir first thoughts? Was it, did it stand out any different to another junior explorer or the, what was your first idea of it? So the, op the, op the availability to have the open underground mine over in Canada as the, pro you know, the flagship project um, was a big tick because anytime you have to dewater or rehab or anything like that to get back into underground workings, just adds headaches, right? Yeah. Everyone knows that a mine that's full of water or um, yeah, has ground support issues is, is a challenge to, to reopen. So to be able to have a mine that was open and available was, was a big win because it means you can drill from underground, you can go underground and see the rocks. Um, so that was a big, a big tick. Reading through the checkered history of the project and the previous owners and, and why it was at the status it was at um, was also a positive because it hadn't fallen over uh, due to poor grade or um, ground issues or anything like that. It had fallen over due to unforeseen circumstances for the previous owners and probably some misaligned focus. So these are all just tick boxes that showed that opportunity that we could capitalize on. Uh, I remember when I was in, in Ballarat, that was a pretty famous story of how to lose money. But um, <laughs> after we got announced that we were for sale, we found a historic report from pre-World War One, and it said that the mines become impoverished at depth <laughs> we were like, ah, oh, so that's why that's why we're having trouble finding gold at the moment. Even the old timers knew there wasn't much down there. So ah. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing like that at the Labyrinth Gold Project. Um, yeah, we're we're just tickling the surface at the moment, and everything around us goes to plus one kilometre deep. So mm. we're pretty confident that they've only done three levels, but there's a fair bit to go below that. Yeah. What well, what's the um, landscape around the Labyrinth Project? There's obviously other other mines. Yep. Um, the Abitibi Belt sounds, as you said, the word gets said, prolific Abitibi Belt. Yep. Um, what's been mined adjacent to you? So there's a, a few historic workings along strike on the current on the labyrinth fault that we're on. Um, they're quite small scale, about 20 k's to the east. Um, there's some larger larger um, gold mines that have gone to that 1k, and then there's the Kerr-Addison mine, which is 20 k's away in town. Um, that produced 11, 12 million ounces, uh, closed in the mid-90s. Um, because it filled with water. So they didn't pay their power bill uh, <laughs> uh, and fill, they turned the pumps off and it filled up with water and they didn't go back down there. All the gear's still down there. It's just, uh, they said to walk away from it because it got flooded. So um, 
And yeah, all along that belt, every 10, 15 k's you drive, there's a large sign at the front saying the name of the gold mine and who owns it. And yeah. you look on a map and they're all plus million ounce deposits. So it's, a, it's an amazing strip of road to drive. It's not like driving the Goldfields Highway, but with more snow and lakes than deserts and, and uh, mulga scrub. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Louis, as you said, you're only tickling the surface at the um, Labyrinth Project at the moment. Yeah. Do you look at that, I guess the schematic, the, the long section of what you do, you just look there is unbelievable. You haven't even really scratched bloody 5% of the potential there by the looks. I remember saying it, it just it looks like there's just a massive area that could be... There definitely is, mate. Um, so, yeah, we've met with the neighbours on... To the, to the west of us, Newfound Gold. They're drilling the same structure. They've got 20 k's of strike along their project there. They've honed in on it as being a mineralized um, system as well. Um, but yeah, we're, our deepest hole is only 500 below the surface and that hit an economic ore grade. Um, so most of these deposits don't open up at, um, above 500 meters. You've got to go below that mark to to really get into the good stuff. So why, why is that? Just the way the geology is? Exactly, yeah. So it's just the way the structure is, is propagated through the rock. Um, many billions of years ago um but it's just that nice we just need to hit that sweet spot and it's about getting access to this is a mine that was mined in the 80s um we're in the in the drill drive at the moment we can't access deep from where we are currently we have to go on surface and currently it's under about three foot of snow that's still melting so once that's all cleared up hopefully step back and, and do some deeper holes and find out what's down the, down the bottom yep do you do are you looking forward to when it does all get happening in producing bringing the i guess the aussie the aussie mining way what what, what you saw at um at jundee for instance and you know high speed development and that sort of i guess standards you looking forward to taking that over to canada yeah definitely we've got some good guys on ground over there um sylvain who's done plenty of time in western australia he worked in ballarat as well he's an only mac rise miner so i reckon those guys are about as crazy as you get in the oh, mining industry hard as coffin nails <laughs> <in blokes>. yeah <laughs> um canadians seem to think it's it's normal to do only mac rise mining but um so look he's he's he knows how mining can be done so that's a, he's a great asset to have over there so that when we do want to hit the go button and start producing some gold bars um he's already got the skill set and the knowledge of what we want to bring in um and they've got the gear over there right? they're using jumbos um, unfortunately using bolters too so if we can phase out the bolters um that'll be that'll be excellent but yeah just traditional mining and a deposit like labyrinth looks like it'll be pretty amenable so that's yep. um yeah it's it, it'll be an exciting time once we when we do get to hit that that go button is there any any difference in what's considered a good grade in canada compared to a good grade in australia what what i guess what companies make money off over there and what we make money off over here any different? Yeah, yeah, there is. So it's, it's said in Canada that you can't really, that most underground mines are plus 10 grams. Um, and it, it appears to be a range of things. There's obviously scheduling and cycling rates and stuff like that. You can make more money if you keep your machine moving and doing more. Um, so that brings your cost per tonne down, right? Um, there's some additional costs. You know, we, we were, Maddie and I were driving around Canada going, how do you haul dirt, all these trucks the size of a wheelbarrow? Um, and yeah, they have limits on how much you can haul on on roads um, because of the the freeze thaw the roads become very soft and you can't put heavy loads on yeah, them yeah. so um, you know rail haulage is a big thing over there because you can put as much as you want on a train and haul it to the nearby mill so there's some additional costs that come into mining in Canada but flip side um, they probably haven't seen the the wages growth that uh, Australian mining has seen over the last probably 10 years so there's um there's some positives and some negatives but I don't see any reason why there should be the big gap that there currently is um, 
and probably just have to look at how things are being done, like any deposit. Well, I think if you mine and double the grade, you've got a bit of uh, room for movement in the cost side of things, <laughs> don't you? You have, yeah, definitely. Ten, ten grams in Australia, that's... Um, it's almost unheard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah these days. Yeah. Yeah. So what's... Um, What's in the pipeline for this year? So I was, God, this year's nearly over. These maybe it's a sign I'm getting old, but um, got the resource update. Well, well I guess what sort of stuff we're going to look forward to the, the shareholders about the labyrinth story. Yeah, so look, we're we're hitting a lot of targets at the moment with that underground drill rig. Um, so that's still spinning away down there. Um, samples are at the lab currently, um, aiming to get assays back through uh, this month and next. Uh, completion of that drill program, we've got about. 2,500 metres to go there about, so we're about halfway through, which is exciting. Uh, and then, yeah, resource upgrade this year, or update as well this year. So taking the historical NI-43 resource of circa 500,000 ounces, converting it to Jork, which uh, not a particularly challenging process, but just a lot of data that needs to be found and collected and um, compiled so that we can uh, give the market confidence in our estimate. And then, yeah, aiming to continue drilling off the back of that uh, to continue to grow these structures and, like I said, step back and target down dip and as well as uh, yeah, a long strike. So this system is <coughs> is under-drilled, to be honest. Um, since the mid-80s, it's really only been drilled for expenditure sake. Um, no no real in, in earnest drilling like you'd see over here. Um, just holes here and there to try and meet the expenditure to keep the tenements in good standing. So. I, I, is it once you get, I guess you get settled and dig your feet into a project like this in another country, I, I assume it reaches a point where it starts really taking off. Like a lot, a lot of the teething issues and set up, once they're sorted, it all just starts flowing. Are we approaching that stage soon with labyrinths, do you think? Yeah, look, there's certainly been some teething issues, uh, power generation and stuff like that over there. But look, those issues are sorting themselves out. We're up and going, um, you know, power's fully established and we're, we're drilling away. I think once winter is over and the snow's off the ground, that seems to make everyone's life a fair bit easier and happier in Canada as well. It is a, it is a challenge to be under six foot of snow for a few months of the year. Um, and then, yeah, it becomes routine for people, right? So this project hasn't really had a, a, a strong routine uh, for a long time. So. To have the guys coming to work every day and knowing what they're doing, that the drill rig will be spinning, that there'll be core coming out, the core needs to be logged and off to the off to the um, to the assay lab, uh, and likewise the miners keeping services and stuff up to date and and um, everything as it should be, you know, it just becomes second nature. And once it's second nature, it becomes easier, and then you can go to the next step. Yep. Are you looking forward to going over in summer next time? Or? Definitely, mate. <laughs> um, yep. I can't believe that there's some tough people. So we think it's hard in Perth. We probably have a maximum of about 50 degree temperature swing in, in WA. They're pushing 80 or 90 because they get to, to minus 40 and then they'll hit 35 degrees during summer. Yep. So to, to, must, they must have big wardrobes, put it that way, to try and <laughs> have enough clothes to, to keep, keep themselves going all year round. Oh, well, the best thing I saw out of that trip was Nixon on the shovel out the, the snow shovel so out the front of the house. He didn't know that I was videoing him. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'm going to go and try shoveling snow. Um, to be fair to him, he'd never seen snow before. Yeah, um, yeah took the video over and I thought, this is going to be some, some good material to, to have when we get back to Australia. Oh, yeah, so. no, I, was, um, I, I didn't hesitate on um, making it publicly available, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. No, thanks very much for today, mate. Plenty, yeah. um, plenty, more, plenty more of these yarns to come. And as I said, it's good to... Be a part of this exciting journey. It is, mate. As I said, you just look at um, the potential over there is 
and even after you said today, a lot of it doesn't open up till below 500 metres. You've yep. already hit the stuff in the uh, the top couple of hundred. There's a, there is a lot of potential. It's very exciting. No, thanks for having me, Matty. It's been a good day. Beautiful. Thank you.